0: You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit stonegate-church.com.
1: How is everyone? Good. It's good to see you on a Wednesday night, huh? Uh, Matthew chapter 28. Let me just start there, uh, lay a little bit of foundation for the night, and then uh, we'll jump right into where it is that we need to go. So, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. Man, there's not a whole lot better than than Christians gathering in a room and singing some good, rich theological hymns, huh? It's good stuff. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. um, Probably a fairly familiar verse to you if you've been around the church for long. Um, Over the top of that little passage in my Bible, the ESV has the the Great Commission um, kind of heading it. And I want to just allow that verse to speak in tonight, just to, to what we're about as a church. And anytime we get opportunities like this, when, when we have our church family gathered together, just to reemphasize what it is that we're about, I want to make sure we take that, that opportunity to do that. And so we use a phrase around here to kind of articulate what it is that we want to be about as a church, and we feel like God has called us to be about. And so that phrase for us goes like this, extending the glory of God by making disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you just break that into three statements, you've got this first piece that is extending the glory of God, that we are a church that wants to be about the glory of God. Amen? It's not about a person. It's not about a group of people. It's not about our church. It's about God. Like Stonegate doesn't exist for Stonegate. Stonegate exists for God, right? So we want to be a church that is about the glory of God. And we're about making disciples. When we think of What it is that glorifies God most, this is our answer, making disciples. We want to be a place that makes disciples, makes disciples where people meet Jesus and mature disciples, where they grow in Jesus. And we want to make a lot of disciples, right? So it's, it's all of that. Like, it's not only disciples that glorify Jesus, but I would say this, that more disciples glorify Jesus more, right? Mature disciples glorify Jesus more. So we want to make a lot of mature disciples. Now, okay, let me just throw this little last little caveat in on this, that it's not just us about making disciples, um, mature disciples, uh, people who meet Jesus. It's not the only thing we want to do. We want to make disciples who actually turn around and make other disciples, Right? Like we want to make this people meet Jesus, they, they mature in Jesus, and they turn around and now are making disciples themselves. Like this, this is how we start walking in as a church into multiplication. It's how the kingdom grows, not just by addition, one plus one plus one, but now by multiplic- multiplication. One times like 10 now, times 20 now. It's how multiplication starts to happen. Now, that same sort of we want to make disciples who make disciples that we would have on a personal level that we want to do in our church on a personal level. That same thing would exist on a corporate level when we talk about church planting. That not only do we want to make disciples, we want to plant churches who plant churches who plant churches who plant churches. Like this is the way the kingdom of God from you go back and read from Acts chapter uh, 2 on. And you get to Acts chapter 13 in Antioch, the church there. That The way the church has grown is by planting churches. It's not just by making converts or making disciples. It's about planting churches. So we want to be a place that that plants churches churches, who plant churches, who plant churches, who plant churches. It's multiplication, not addition, just us growing here and God doing things here. But it's multiplication, planting churches, God doing things here, and God doing things there. We plant more churches, they plant more churches. God doing more stuff in more different places. That's what we're after. We want to we be a place that, that plants churches, that multiplies. So m- maybe I could just set the stage for tonight like this. is by saying that we are really serious about this multiplication thing. We're really serious about that. Making disciples who make disciples. Planting churches that plant churches. Like we really want to have maximum impact in the kingdom of God. Now, I hope we all share that little burden and angst deep in our soul that we want to make maximum impact right okay now let me make this comment this is going to be a real clarifying thing hopefully for tonight multiplying ministry requires us to think creatively about also multiplying our money like in other words if we want to multiply our ministries church planting, disciple making, all these different things, it means that God in some way, shape, or form is going to have to multiply money to get that ministry ball down the road. Like those two things are connected. I want you to know that, that they're connected. We don't have to be ashamed of that, but, but planting churches costs money. Having growing churches that are making disciples, it costs money. Those things require money to do and to get about. So let me just tell you the story of Stonegate just so you'll know how Stonegate started. For for you to be sitting here today, here is what that required. This didn't just happen magically one day, right? So this is what it required for this whole thing to go down. I served on staff at a church for eight years doing student ministry, and the culture there was to plant churches. And so there was one day when my pastor there said, "Have you thought about planting in Midlothian?" I said, "Well, I've I've driven by it like tw- I've driven through it like twice in my life, so sure, yeah, I've thought about it, right?" And so all that to say, when we said yes to that. Um, Our church ended up about $100,000 to get up off off the ground. And then we had a core group of about 20 families who also ended up about $100,000. $200,000 Stonegate tier, right? So I just want you to see that this didn't just happen magically out of like thin air some way. That like this required money to to happen. So I want to just make this point again, then we're going to jump in. That multiplying ministry requires us to think creatively about and ask God for for big ways for us also to multiply the resources to plant churches, to do all the stuff that God has called us to do here. So I want you to see that. Multiplying ministry requires that. And we're not just talking we want to plant one stone gate someday. We want to plant a ton of stone gates down the road. We want God to be doing stuff like this in a million different places, and we would love to be a catalyst of, of helping that start. Right? So multiplying ministry requires multiplying resources and for us to think creatively about how to multiply resources around our place. Okay, so with that said, we have had a really wild uh, about two months. And I'm going to let Dave Hanson kind of introduce the last couple of months. And hopefully you listened to the last uh, or the audio from the last family meeting. That would have been a good prep work. But Dave, to kind of get you up to speed from where we started a couple of months ago to where we are today and kind of the stuff that has been sandwiched between in this 60-day period. Now, before Dave says anything, though, I want to preface everything Dave says with with two quick things. Number one, to multiply ministry, it also requires people to think in terms of multiplication and for God to gift churches with people who think like that and and operate in those sort of realms— and God has been good to us to give us some guys around our church who think and operate like that. Not just like one guy or two guys or three guys, but multiple guys who think like that. So just uniquely gifted in those sorts of ways that think in terms of multiplication. Now Dave is one of those. He is uniquely gifted. And if you know Dave, you'd probably agree with me when I say that, right? So he's uniquely gifted in those sort of ways. So, but here's the second thing I want to preface uh, about this before Dave says a word is I want you to know, but before he says anything about the X's and O's of what we're looking at here, that, that Dave's also a very spiritual man. That Dave's one of the guys that is in our elder training right now that we've spent the last 12 or 14 months with, that hopefully over the next few months will be installed around our place um, to pastor and to shepherd our place. So I want you to know this before we say anything else, that, that nothing we do here is strictly a business decision. Nothing we do around here is. Everything is a spiritual decision, Right? And so it's really important that we have teams of people that are spiritual people to help make spiritual decisions. Like this is where churches can get themselves in trouble in a hurry. Is you get people who are uniquely gifted in some ways. And just because they're good at other things, you allow them to make spiritual decisions when they're not spiritual people. That's a huge problem. So I just want you to hear this on both of these two sides. Uniquely gifted over here, but also a very spiritual man who, who, with a team of us, is saying, man, we want to be before God and humble, and we want to do what God wants us to do, right? Not just because it makes sense over here or over there, but because we really feel like God would be in this for us. Okay, so with that said, Dave, why don't you just catch us up over the last couple of months and kind of get everyone in the know on where we are and what's kind of before us.
0: Uh, Wow, it has been a crazy two months, as Rodney said. Uh, I want to take a minute or two to kind of catch us up from the last meeting. There's a lot more people here tonight, and I don't know who has heard the uh, uh, podcast. But we left off last month by saying we have just seen God move in front of this church in an incredible way. It started, uh, as Rodney said, with that initial planning out of Walnut Ridge. Uh, in his come up, we initially had a six-month agreement with the conference center, which we're in right this minute. Uh, they agreed ultimately to give us five years, which has allowed us to really begin to build some funds to do some of these things that we're talking about. And along with that, as as Rodney was talking about, there's ultimately a day where we approach a cliff where we're going to have to be in a building. So this building looms out in front of us, and this has been on our minds. So with that in mind, we started to think, we probably need a piece of land. Uh, Again, we just saw God go in front of us. It was amazing. Uh, We started looking found a tremendous piece of property at the corner of George Hopper and 14th Street. I think most everybody here has seen it at this point. But a beautiful piece of land right across from an elementary school, close to a high school, all kinds of development in that area. And we were able to buy that land ultimately for about half a market price. So we were elated. We thought, gosh, it just doesn't get any better than this. How, How do we improve on this? It's just not possible. Well, we ended the meeting last month with this statement. We feel like as a business board, as a church... We're called to be open-handed with what God's given us. And open-handed looks like we don't wrap our hands around anything. It's God's. He gave us the land uh, in line with what Ronnie was saying with multiplying. We just felt like that land should go back up for sale. If God wants to sell that land, then guess what? We'll sell it and do the next thing. So we left that meeting on that basis, uh, just really feeling that in our heart. We want to be men of faith. We want to be a church of faith. We want to multiply, do the things that we're called to do. So the next day we met uh, talked a little bit and said, well, if we're going to sell this property, we probably ought to start looking for another piece of property. And originally we had identified the intersection of Walnut Grove and 287. I think most of you know where that is, with this big Shell station down there with the barbecue and the Exxon station on the uh, northwest corner. So I made a phone call, uh, got a hold of Ken Pritchett. Long-time developer out here in Midlothian said, hey, we kind of like that property on the northeast corner over there right across from Shell. Would you be willing to sell that? He said, no, I would not. He said, that is going to be a grocery store. And he said, you couldn't afford it anyway. So I said, okay. And he said, but I'll tell you what. It's a funny thing. He said, I'm 75 years old. He said, I'm getting tired. I don't know that I want to keep doing this development. He said, I have 13 acres right across the street, right next to the Exxon station there uh fronting on 287 he said would you like to take a look at that and i said yeah i'd love to take a look at that." what do you want for that thing uh and he said well market value on that property is probably close to two million dollars he said i marked it at a million one because i wanted to be done and he said funny thing just yesterday i woke up and he said i just felt like i should reduce that to 700,000 and he said on top of that i told my broker to call stonegate church they they would probably be interested in this piece of property it's a great piece of property and he said, now you get on the phone and call me. So he said, this is kind of interesting to me. So anyway, we go look at the property, and I, it is beautiful. I, it just slopes out to the street, nice high hill up on the top where a church would look beautiful. 50,000 cars a day driving by there, un, unbelievable. So call Rodney, call the rest of the business board. That's the same day. said, hey, we better look at this property. This, this is pretty amazing. Uh, everybody comes out. Everybody says, golly, we, we need to tie this up. Whatever, whatever else happens, we need to tie this property up. So we do, we tie it up. And in the course of uh, four days, we have this thing contracted and tied up. And it was really interesting, on that fourth day I went to Ken, I said, we're ready to sign this. He said, my broker has advised me, do not sell this piece of property to you. He said, because he's already got a higher offer on it and he said, uh, it doesn't require any financing and that I would be crazy to take this deal. So guess what, he took our deal anyway. So So we have the 13 acres now tied up. Well, adjacent to that 13 acres is another 10 acres, just immediately north of the Smart Stop. And we love this piece of property because it fronts on Walnut Grove. It would give us access into the church property off of Walnut Grove. And then we have access off of 287, so it makes a very, very good piece of property. Additionally, when you add those two pieces of property together, it gives us an opportunity to sell five or six retail pad sites like a Starbucks or a donut shop or any number of things that would go down there. Which would give us an opportunity to uh, pay for this whole property. So the next conversation, we probably ought to get that 10 acres tied up. So that very same day, we go in and talk to uh, uh, Rob and Dennis Smart, really good guys. Really enjoyed talking to them. I said, "What do you want for that property?" And they said, uh, well, "That'd be three dollars." And that's a deal at three dollars. And and I said, "I don't think that works." So. Make a long story short. We ended up buying that property for a dollar. and We not, didn't buy it. Contracted uh, for a dollar and a quarter a square foot. So we now have 23 acres sitting at that corner for a total uh, of a dollar and a quarter a foot, roughly a dollar 23 to a dollar 25. 1.25 million dollars, which is about minimum a half, if not a third, of what true market value is on that property. So. <laughs> It truly has been astounding when it, when you start talking about it. I think we miss seeing God go in front of things, but he has walked in front of us just repeatedly on every single thing we have been doing as far as land, as far as facilities, everything. It's, it's been amazing. And, it, and I have just been so personally humbled to been, uh, having had a chance to be involved with this and just seeing God at, at work. It, it's been astounding. So, uh at this moment, as we sit here tonight, we now have 23 acres under contract. Uh, let's pull up a couple of slides here man. I'll kind of show you what we're, what we're looking at here a minute. This is an expanded overview of Midlothian. You probably recognize it. That first star up there in the top, that is the present property that we have right now, 12 acres, the corner of George Hopper and 14th. This piece down here is Walnut Grove and 287 and that's a full 13 acres. Okay, next slide. Now this is why we love this property. They just passed an initial platting for six to nine thousand houses immediately to the east of this property. That's been 1,200 acres that have sat there for around 10 or 11 years, and just in the last two weeks, they've authorized that to go ahead. That's huge. Second thing is, they're building this high school just north of us up here. That will be completed in the next year to two years, And within four years, that'll be a full high school. And at that time, they will expand Walnut Grove to either a four- or six-lane road. It will be just uh, very similar to Midlothian Parkway. So we're looking at an outstanding boulevard going right up through the center of Midlothian. Speaking with uh, Don Hastings, the city manager, he said he really believes this will be the very center of Midlothian over the next four to five, maybe ten years, somewhere in that facility. uh, In time span, I should say. Uh, uh, Additionally... We have been given an opportunity to do a median cut across 287, which allows us access into the property, which by itself is somewhat of a miracle. They just don't have those out. So we just think we have a tremendous piece of property. Let's see the next slide. And here's how it breaks down. Uh, There's the 10 acres that we're talking about, 13 acres to the west, and then the smart stop on the corner. And the last slide. Can you see that pretty well? This is, a, this is a Google map view of it. There's the 10 acres. We would have probably two access points off Walnut Grove and another one off the, the front on 287. Almost 1,000 feet on both of those roads. Amazing piece of property. Okay, so that kind of brings us up to date. Now, this is where we're at. This is where it gets kind of interesting. Uh, as a board, we sat down and said, okay, how do we wisely look at this land? What what do we do as a church body that would honor God, glorify God, and show great faith in what he has given us? So we started looking at this property, and we said, gosh, this would just be such a great opportunity to use this as a tool to multiply what God has given us. So right about that time, uh, we had a man that offered to give us a guaranteed buyback on that 23 acres. If after three years, for some reason, we have not sold that piece of property— he would buy the whole 23 acres back. So what this allowed us to do is now put the original 12 acres plus this 23 acres on the market, which is what we're going to talk about tonight, and allow God to go to work again. Uh, An ideal situation in that case would be we sell the 12 acres. Uh, We think that 12 acres would net us almost $800,000 profit on a realistic market view. And sell the other 10 acres that were on the east side, which would net us almost another million seven clear. So if we sold those two pieces of property, that would be $2.4 million clear that we would be able to generate in the course of the next couple of years. So that is an astounding number. And after we paid for the 13 acres, we would have 13 acres free and $1.7 million that we could pay towards the church. So this is, this is what we're looking at right now. This is the conversation that we're having What do we do as a church? Uh, We just feel called, and we feel like it is being open-handed and trusting God to do what he wants. Here is the worst-case situation. We get out three years. We haven't sold anything. We haven't sold the 12 acres. We haven't sold the 10 acres. We haven't sold the 23 acres. And guess what happens then? We exercise the buyback. He takes the 23 acres back from us at our cost. And we're left with the original 12 acres, which we love anyway. And we build our church on that facility. We feel like when we've done that, we've trusted God, we've been faithful, we've allowed God to go to work. If he decides that he wants us back on that original 12 acres, then we just feel like we were faithful and walked out the steps that God put before us. So from our side, it seems like a no-lose situation. We have all of the downside risk guaranteed, uh, and we have the potential to double or triple our money over the next three years, which would allow us to do just what Rodney's doing. And the key to that, if we can generate that kind of money and we can actually build a church for no debt or low debt, we're now in a spot where we could generate over time maybe $50,000 a month that could go towards planting churches, which is anywhere from four to five churches a year. Over 10 years, that's 50 churches we theoretically could generate out of what God's doing right now. So this is what we're coming before you all tonight, just have this conversation as a church body, get feedback, get an idea what you all are thinking, any questions. Uh, But we just, I I cannot say enough how much God has gone before us in these last uh, several months. It has absolutely been astounding to get property at the locations we're getting them at half price or less of market value is literally astounding. Yeah. So that's that's where we're at, uh, and I think—
1: Yeah. So here's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to just ask and answer uh, nine or ten questions that just kind of revolve around this. And uh, um, any of the guys that are on the the business board with us, you feel free. Actually, let me just go ahead and do this. Let me just start with question number one. And this is going to introduce the business board guys. Um, Let me just address really quickly first how decisions like this are made around our church. I want you to know how how we try to, to make decisions because we would like how we're trying to make decisions modeled across all of our families at our church when it comes to big decisions like this. So here's how how it goes. Um, First of all, maybe to preface that, I would say this, that the the decision-making tables at uh, Stonegate are not, they don't form a pyramid with one person at the top of that. I don't sit at the top of that. Nobody sits at the top of that. The decision-making table is round at Stonegate. Like We want to make all of our decisions in great community. And here's why. I don't want to make a decision I want to make. I want to make the decision God wants us to make. And that's done when you get in good community to make decisions. So with that said, here's kind of how things like this work for us. When it comes to these sorts of of things, we've got a team of guys that form a board for us. That, uh, that, that just give good weigh-in on these decisions. They're the sounding board. They're the, the guys giving feedback, the okays, the yes, the no's, the rejected. That's a terrible idea. They're that group of people. So let me just introduce these guys to you. It'll be on the screen for you so you'll know. And why don't you go ahead and stand up when I say your name if you're in the room. Uh, so that would be Dave Hansen, Travis Wyckoff, I think is upstairs, Sean Jackson, Mike Glass. Is Mike here tonight? No. Okay. Oh, there he is. Mike, uh, Ryan Lofton, John Womble. Steve Mills just had some surgery today. You hanging in there? Yeah. Mark Ferguson, Brian McCutcheon, uh, Bill Stewart. I think is out of town tonight, and uh, and myself. Okay, did I miss anybody? KC Maddox, where are you? There he is, back there in the back. Okay, so so these are the guys that kind of formed that board for us that that revise reject that's terrible that's great that's somewhere in the middle that's whatever Th- these are the crew okay you guys can can sit down there um and so now for us to get a decision like this out of that business you know that that board of, of guys that team of people it, it requires this like we left the other night and, and here's how it went we, we want every person's feedback where do you stand on it? and if if everybody's not 100 in we're not in yet so it was everyone around that table us asking the question where are you And every person around that table said, we are 100% in. We think this would be a a really good move for us. And so I just want you to know that for for a decision like this to even start breathing around our place, that's what it took. is for that team of people to say, we are all in agreement that that is a really good decision. And then for us, we have a group of external elders right now because we don't have our own yet. Hopefully that's coming really soon um, that, that have to okay that. And agree that that is a good decision. And now that both of those two things have happened, now we're at a family meeting where we get to present this to you. Where you get to give good feedback. You get to enter in praying with us about this decision. So let me just clarify this. There have been no decisions made yet. The decision made so far is to get to a family meeting and to put it out there and to see where it goes. So that's been the decision thus far. No decision's been made. We want to invite you in on that, to pray with us through this, to ask good questions, to get good feedback. We're going to open up the next few weeks for you to be able to get with any of these guys on that team of people to ask hard questions about if you have them, or if you need, you know, to express concerns, whatever. So this is really us being able to present this to y'all, so y'all will have good opportunity for feedback, discussion, all of that. And so, uh, and let me just emphasize this too, just on the back end of this, that, that it is a little bit time sensitive when we're in land kind of things like this. And so we want you to, to, tonight, as your, you know, questions come up, as we kind of go through some FAQs, if you've got questions, this would be a wonderful night to throw whatever question you have out. Concern, question, thought, whatever you have, this would be a wonderful night to do that. So I just want you to feel a freedom to be able to do that. You've got guys in the room that would love to try to give good, thoughtful answers to that. Okay, so that's how decisions are made, is like that. Okay, here's question number two. What is the agreement on both properties? So let me just spell this out, just so you'll see this on the screen and can see this very clearly. Property number one is thirteen point one three eight three eight acres, and we have basically got that contracted at six hundred and eighty thousand dollars. So that's what we would be looking at for it, and that's a dollar nineteen a foot for that thirteen acres. So that is like the bigger piece of property that that fronts 287 um, on that little corner. Okay, now here's one financial note to come around this, just so you'll see this, is that the guy that owned that has agreed, depending on how we want to work this, that at closing we would pay $300,000, and then we would pay the remaining balance, um, half at the end of year one and half at the end of year two for no interest. So if we want to just go at it slowly, we can go that way with it. So, just so you, so you know that, that little financial note there on the, the, the deal that we've got. On property number two, this is the 10 acres. So, you might think about the three different things we have right now. So we have 12 acres on George Hopper and 14th. Then we have a 13-acre piece and a 10-acre piece on Walnut Grove and 287. So, this is the 10-acre piece. Um, had it originally listed at $3 a foot. We got it at $1.25 a foot, which is just unheard of. I mean, you try that negotiation, Right? And so uh, we we left there at $550,000 for that 10 acres. And here's the financial note on that one. That depending on how we want to do it, we can pay it all up front if we want. Or we can pay half at closing, uh, which would be $275,000. And the other half at the end of year one for a 5% interest. So we've got that deal at the back end if we want to exercise it for the 10 acres. So that gives us basically a total of $1.23 million for both of those two pieces of property. So that's, that's the agreement that we have on both of the two. Now, here comes the second question on how, how will we pay for this. So let me just throw out to you, because this is one of the things that we want to make sure is really clear tonight on why it is that we think this is a wise financial move and, and doesn't, you know, on a wisdom level, wouldn't violate anything that we, we wouldn't want violated. So we think it's wise in light of this, that the property at $1.23 million— is what we'd be paying for it. We've got cash on hand right now that we could put towards something like this at right at $800,000. Okay, now, um, if you go back to last year, if you were at the last family meeting, you heard us talk about last year, how gracious God has been to us and one, keeping us very frugal on a budget level. And then God just has, has blown the doors off financially for us. So last year, our budget was a little over 600,000. Our receipts last year were at 1.1 million. That's a $500,000 difference that we were able to save last year. So if that current trajectory keeps up, at the end of one year, we would be able to pay for everything without doing anything else around our place, without doing any specific thing to help with that. At the end of the next year, we should be right at a point where we could pay for all of it without exercising a year two, you two know, option on that. 13 acre piece so we feel like in light of that it, it's a move that doesn't um that, that fits within our parameters of low debt and no debt and would be wise for us in in that regard okay so that's the how can we pay for it piece here's question number four i want to explain this buyback option because this is a huge deal i mean i don't know when y'all heard that a second ago i don't know if that like tweaked like that's a miracle of god that was just said there but that's a miracle of god right You don't have people do this sort of a thing. So basically, we have a guy who has agreed at the end of three years, he will buy that property back from us at the purchase price. So three years, we went out, we hand it back over, and it's the equivalent of us putting our money in the bank. But rather than putting it in the bank, we'll just put it over here with the chance for it to to go really well for us with virtually no risk. Like what the buyback thing does for us is it puts us in a situation where the risk has been transferred from us to someone else. If the world falls apart, the, the risk goes somewhere else. It's not on us. So that's a huge piece of this puzzle for us on why we think on a financial level it makes so much sense. That it's not like we're going to wake up in eight years and still have two pieces of property just dying to get rid of these things, right? So, so we can get out of it when we want at the end of three years. And here are the terms on that. At closing... Um, At the end of year three, if we, if we wanted to to exercise that buyback, we would get half the purchase price back at that time and the rest of it back no later than 24 months. So it would be ideally as close to to all of that up front, uh, but we're just trying to build in a little bit of cushion on his sake, just to have that there for him. But likely it would be primarily almost all up front at the beginning of the three years. Okay. So that is the buyback option. So any questions you have on that? Just write it down. We're going to come back and open it up here in just a second. Question number five. What are the worst case, best case scenarios? So let me just kind of roll through these one more time so you'll see worst case, best case, how this works out. And there's really two best case scenarios. Here's best case scenario option number one. Is this is building on the new property, Walnut Grove in 287. And that would mean us selling, this is best case scenario, us selling our old property at 14th and George Hopper for $3 a foot that's a total of $1.6 million. And we also sell the 10 acres that front Walnut Grove for somewhere in the range of $5 a foot with pad sites. And that would be an, a, a gross of $2.2 million. So if you just do the math, here's how that works out in total number and profit. So 12, uh, the, the 12 acres, we have in that $800,000 right now, paid for cash, clear. We would sell that for $1.6 million. That would be a profit of $800,000 on the 12 acres, George Hopper 14th. The 10 acres that front Walnut Grove, we have in that $550,000. We have the potential of selling that down the road for over $2 million, which gives us a, a net there profit of in the neighborhood of $1.65 million. So that's the best case scenario. At the end of the day, we, in that scenario, we would profit somewhere in the neighborhood of $2 to $2.4 million to 2400000 dollars I mean, that's, that's, I mean that stuff doesn't just show up out of nowhere, right? I mean, that, that is an amazing opportunity there. So that's best case scenario number one. Best case scenario number two would be building on our old location, 14th and George Hopper. Um, that would mean us selling the 23 acres that we have on Walnut Grove and 287. Um, and if that goes for in the neighborhood of $3 a foot, that would mean we would have into that property $1.25 million we would have sold it for $3 million and we would profit $1.75 million. So either one of those two best case scenarios, we're saying we don't know what God has for us down the road. We, we don't know. Um, but we're, we're game for e- in either of those best case scenarios. We would sign up like tomorrow for those. And here's the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is at the end of three years, we decide we still want to build on George Hopper and 14th. We exercise the buyback option and everything runs in the same direction that it was running right now before any of this came up. And there's essentially zero like potential for loss. So our our kind of on the back end potential loss is, is virtually nothing. So that's the best case and worst case scenarios. You've got a lot of upside potential on being able to multiply resources with very little downside options at all. So that's question number five. And then question six, seven, and eight, I'm actually going to have Dave answer. So here's question number six. Are we putting both of the properties up for sale?
0: Yes. (laughs) We think that we need to uh, put both back up to allow God to do what he wants to do. So, yes, both properties will be back up for sale. Yep. And uh, the 12 acres at George Hopper will probably be on the market next week or at the end of this week already. Yep.
1: And uh, question number seven is, is this land speculation? And in, co- in kind of conjunction with that, why do we need the 10 acres of property two? So why don't you just kind of address both of those, two from both sides?
0: Yeah, I think this is a good question. This is a question we asked ourselves, and, and this is why we do not feel it's land speculation. And I think Rodney answered it a minute ago explaining that buyback uh, uh, option because that is tremendous. That takes all the risk out of it. Speculation by its very nature means you take a certain amount of risk to reap the upside potential. In this case, we have all of the upside potential, none of the downside, and an opportunity to really use this as a tool to multiply so we do not think it is speculation in any shape or form. The 10 acres is huge to us because it's a synergy situation. The 13 acres uh, plus the 10 acres is a situation where one and one is bigger than two. It probably is worth four, five, or six. When you take those two together, you have 23 acres. That becomes an incredibly good retail uh, supercenter site. If you're familiar with the Super Kroger's at 360 in Broad in, in Mansfield, that is an ideal site for that same exact thing. You can put a, a great big Kroger's in there, several pad sites. And one thing we didn't even mention, there is actually the potential for three more pads on that first site. So there's another 750000 that we did not even put in this It would be profit. We probably would not sell those at the uh, beginning. We'd want to see how the church lays out. But that, at some point we would sell at least two more of those and possibly three.
1: And talking about on the front of 287 there, that we'd have the potential of selling it off if we wanted to or yeah. needed to or to plant churches or whatever down the road.
0: So we just think uh, the two properties together are tremendous. If we want to sell that uh, property, a shopping center developer would love to have that 23 acres, particularly with Walnut Grove widening. Uh, and ultimately, Texas uh, Department of Transportation wants to put a overpass there similar, similar to what we have up here at 9th. Yeah. So it's going to be an incredible intersection at some point. Um, okay, question number eight. What's wrong with the current piece of property? There is absolutely nothing wrong with our current piece of property. It is an incredible piece of property. If we sold the twenty-three acres and we're building on that twelve acres three years from now, we would be elated. We were elated when we bought it. Uh, we just we just put this out there, and we believe God's brought it to us. So there's there's not one downside to that property. They're building another five hundred houses there. Uh, That whole midpoint development's occurring. You have retail coming into that area. There's a great big piece of property very close to that that will probably ultimately be houses. So both properties have great upside. There's there's really no downside to either one of them. And that's really the good news about this whole thing is
1: it's like a a great, great option when it comes to both of these two pieces of of land. There's not like one that is terrible and the other is great. Yeah, yeah. and
0: I want to add something too. We're, We're not really going to get into it tonight, but when we were looking for land, there is land all over Midlothian that uh, is running in the three dollar a foot range. There's an acre across from McDonald's that's one million dollars for one acre. So when we're buying this stuff at a dollar and a quarter a square foot, it is truly an amazing act of God that we've gotten those properties for that. And both of those are in that ballpark. The the first ones at a dollar and a half, and these are a dollar and a quarter. So. When we say we think we can get $3 a foot or more on that 12 acres, that's not a pie-in-the-sky number. That's a realistic number. Uh, $3 for the whole 23 acres is a realistic number. $5 for that 10 acres, these are very real numbers. So the potential really is extremely high, and it could be more than that. Pads could go for more than that once they start widening walnut growth. So yep. this, is, this is why we just think we're in such a tremendous spot either way. Yep.
1: And question number nine is, will this affect when we build?
0: No, this does not affect us uh, other than positively. Uh, this gives us an opportunity if we can raise it, uh, raise the money to be able to actually build sooner. That doesn't mean we will build sooner, but it gives us that, that opportunity. And uh, another thing that, as Rodney was talking, when we sell that first piece of land, not only do we have the $2.4 million, but we have the original 800 that we put into that land also. So we're already almost halfway to building the church uh, with no debt. So it's it's pretty tremendous what's happening.
1: Okay, and then uh, number 10, let me address this one. As far as what does this look like moving forward? So I just want you to see a picture of kind of where we are and what the next uh, uh, couple of months hold for us. So tonight is the family meeting. So we've already come out of making sure all of our, that team of guys all have said yes to this. We think it's a good deal. I am saying at the end of the day, if you want to know where I am on it, I think it's a wonderful deal. I, I don't see any downside to it. And so uh, I could not be more excited about where God has his position. I think it's just one of those things where we get to open up our hands and say, God, you can do whatever you want to do, and we get a front row seat to watch. And so um, in that regard, I am ecstatic about it. So that's kind of coming into this. We have a family meeting tonight. And then here's what happens over the next few weeks, is that we want to invite you in with us to start praying and listening to God on this thing. let me just say this one more time. We're not making any decisions because it's a business-wise, non-wise move. We're making decisions because we feel like this is what God wants us to do or not what God wants us to do. And that takes us on our knees before God asking God, asking him to clarify these things for us. And so we want to be really diligent about that. So we're going to ask everyone in our church family over the next seven to ten days for you to pick a day out with your family and fast over this, to, to intercede on behalf of our church for this. Listen, we do not want to make a bad decision. We want to make great decisions around our place. And part of that means we get humble before God asking him to clarify what it is that he would want from us. And so we want to invite y'all in to pray and to listen. And then over the next couple of weeks, we are going to be super available to everyone in our church family, all of these guys on the business board. If you want to grab them, call them, grab coffee with them, whatever. um, We want to make sure that you get any concerns, thoughts, you know, whatever it is that you've got about this that you feel like if you need to get that on the table with someone, we want to make sure we're available to hear that, to hear you, to dialogue and to discuss those things. And then we hope that by over the next several weeks, maybe two to three weeks, we can actually be at the point where we can make some decisions and have all the information we need about that. So, and I want to just emphasize this again, that it's some of these things are a little bit time sensitive when it comes to these things. Like all it would take for any of these guys is to say, today I don't feel good about it and the deal's off the table. And so it is a little bit time sensitive. And so we, we want to be diligent and get all the answers we need as, as quickly as we can get them so we can, we can start down the road. Okay, and then, and we're going to come back around and talk about this at the end a little bit more. It's probably going to position us, we think this is going to be a good time, April, May, and June, to probably do another season of three months of generosity around our place. So we're going to look at that again, April, uh, May, and June, to do three months of generosity. where We're going to ask people to give uh, in an extraordinarily generous way over those three months. Okay, now let me just push pause, and we're going to open it up for the next however long we need to, to get some questions out on the table, thoughts that you have, questions that you have, as we uh, kind of laid all that out. So I'm going to repeat the question so we don't have to get them. But if any of our guys on our team that has been around this decision, that's who we're going to need to get on a microphone. So Kevin's got that microphone. So any of our guys on our, on our business board team that has been involved in that, if, if you need to, to weigh in on that, make sure we grab Kevin so they'll pick that up on the audio and that can be heard. So yes, sir, Mr. Jeff. When you um, bought the or put the contract on the properties, you got a huge discount. I assume, of course, God was in it, but they knew we were a church. They were probably Christians, and so they gave us this discount. Do they know that we are, could possibly are putting this back up for sale, and do they feel okay about that in each of the situations with the property? Dave, why don't you address that? So, yeah, we'll stick
0: that. Yeah, there we go. Both parties do know that we're Stonegate Church, and we have had that conversation. In fact, it's been uh, pretty outstanding conversations with both uh, Ken Pritchett and Dennis and Rob Smart. So there's no question that we're a Christian church. Uh, The conversation as to whether we're going to sell it again or not, that has not been brought up. but. When I initially had the conversation with them, I told them that we're buying these properties open-handed and that we are going to trust God to do what God wants to do. Both parties are aware that we have another piece of property and that we will be selling properties. So I don't think there's anything that uh, anybody's not aware of. Uh, I don't think particularly that the uh, smart property was done because we were a church. I, I, I really don't know why they just went from $3 to $1.25. It was pretty astounding to me. Uh, Ken Pritchett. I think he uh, would like to see a church there. He told me that since he bought that property, he felt like a church was supposed to be on that property. So there there are things afoot. Now, if we get to the other side and we decide to sell the property, it's the same thing I did with Justin on the first 12 acres. We will have that conversation uh, and talk that through and make sure everybody is on board before we do anything. And I think at the end of the day, our conversation with Justin would be the same I would have with, with any of these parties, and that is, we believe if you did do this to help the church, you're actually helping God's kingdom. And we want to use this to multiply and you would be part of that. And I don't think any of these men would have a problem with that, but we will broach that before we go down that road. Yep.
1: So it's a great question. And that was one of our number one concerns with Justin is making sure that we got to that. And so we'll get there with these, these guys as well, for sure. Jeff Mills right there. I'll, I'll repeat your question. So yeah, feel free to ask it and then Is the investment going to affect our current church planters? The answer is no to that. So when when we think about this investment, it is money that we are saving knowing that in four years we've got to move out of here. So it's money that we're designating for that purpose anyway. So when it comes to church planters, and listen, I'm about to say something that is about to be like, are you serious when you hear this? But right now we have... Right at a million dollars set aside, we're not even talking about what we're doing over here building wise and all this set aside for church planting and planters. So just allow that to just say, God is really good to Stonegate Church for a second, right? And so the answer is no, that we, we feel like for, for the time being, we've got everything we need for the immediate future for church planting, too. Yes. Yes. And I think generally speaking, we would say yes to that, that there's no reason to pay. I could be $13,000 of interest at 5% if we carried that for a year. So there's no reason to do that. And so I think it would just mean that in April, May, June, as long as our people, you know, we're generous as a church, then we would go ahead and pay for that one and uh, the initial part of the other one. And then probably just wait to the end of year one to pay for the rest of the first one. So generally speaking, I think that's how we're looking at it. Uh, Brandon, up here. yeah yeah so so uh you you want to answer the first one i'll answer the second part of that okay so the the answer or the question was if we didn't have the buyback would we would we be here tonight and then the second part is there any language written into that contract that would allow an out for the guy that's going to be buying
0: it back that's a good question. I don't really know. I think we'd still be sitting here with these properties contracted. Whether we would go forward with them or not, I don't know. Uh, the beauty of that buyback, it gives us an automatic. We ought to go forward based on that. So, uh, it, you know, and I'd add to that further question about speculation. If you see us buy a third or fourth piece of land without selling some of this, <laughs> I probably have a pretty good question. Yeah. Uh,
1: but, Stonegate owns half of Midlothian. Yeah. What is their, <laughs> what, what is their problem? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, oh man we we just uh, we feel like that was just god stepping into the middle and allowing us to move forward without this risk that risk has been moved completely off our back so uh, you know it, it would be questionable whether we would yeah. move forward without it my guess would probably be no yeah uh, at the end of the day
1: that's so. that's my gut would be no yeah. and then on the second side of that the answer is also no to that one that it's yeah there won't be a language written into that that uh, yes, at the back. We'll go Miss Denise and then Mr. Kurt. Okay, so let me ask that one just to make sure I'm clarified. So you're saying if we sold the George Hopper, would we also go ahead and sell the ten? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So,
0: Yes, we absolutely would sell the 10. We want the 10 because that's the money that will provide the funding for the actual 13 acres over time. And the ingre- and the other big part of that is it gives us the ingress-egress off of Walnut Grove so we would be able to access the church. So even if we sell the 10 acres, we're going to leave an easement across there for ingress-egress. So that just gives us flow through. And we wanted to control that because if we don't have that ability to control it, then we're just emptying onto 287, which makes it a lot tougher. We're also talking to the smart uh, stop there about actually having ingress, egress through their property, uh, which would be beneficial to them, and hopefully people stop in there and buy uh, bread and butter or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: That's what I normally get at a convenience store. yeah Uh, where's the bread and butter
0: if we if we had those accesses that really opens everything up then we'd have about uh anywhere from four to five exit points out of the church which really helps it flow yeah second question was what
1: yes Okay, I'm a little bit confused on what you asked there. I, Did you understand what she asked? I think I understood okay, what you saying. Okay, why don't you repeat the question and then try to go I think an you're
0: answer. asking if we sold the 12 acres and we sold the 10 acres and we still own the 13 acres, would we exercise the buyback? Is that correct? Well, if we are at the three-year point, we're going to say God has now closed the door for going forward because we now have to start construction the, the – The odds are very high that at the end of three years, no later than that, we're going to be under construction. Uh, So, you know, and and a good question would be when do you stop doing this? Well, we feel like we would stop doing this when, as I just said, we either got close to the point where we need to build, we would say this is where we stay, uh, or if we sold none of the property at all, then we would go back to the 12 acres and we would be done. So we would not exercise the buyback on just the 13 acres. If we sold the 12 and the 10, we would probably go ahead and build on that 13 at that point.
1: Yes, Mr. Curtin. <laughs> That's a great problem to have, I'll tell you that. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, yeah. If you know somebody. Yeah. <laughs> So the question was, what if somebody came on, you know, came, uh, you know, buying the next three years and offered us three dollars a foot for all everything that we would own if we go forward?
0: I would say we would be hard pressed to not take that. Uh, that would be an incredible amount of profit. And there's, so, you know, when you have that kind of money in hand, and we already saw God move on two great properties, I, I think we would be hard pressed to not trust God for a third property. <laughs> We have actually made an offer on the conference <laughs> center but they're not taking right now. <laughs> oh gosh.
1: Okay, yes.
0: Well, we feel like we're in pretty good shape. Uh, I mentioned a little bit ago there was three more pads that we could eventually sell off the 13 acres. The 13 acres by itself allows us a tremendous amount of growth potential. We could put a 100,000-foot building there and have enough parking. So the game plan would be to build probably initially 50,000 feet, all the parking that goes with that, and then just watch the trajectory of the church and see where that goes. So we wouldn't probably sell those pads until we were sure where we wanted to stop as far as construction. But, yes, 13 acres gives us plenty of room to do uh, exactly what we need to do as a church yeah.
1: so that, that question just so everybody was clear on that was is 13 acres enough if we sold the george hopper property that 12 acres the other 10 that fronts walnut grove are we left with enough and our answer right now is we feel like that would be enough for us so okay other questions yes sir
0: Eminent domain is always a possibility, uh, and there's not really a whole lot you can do about that. We've spent a lot of time talking to the city. They have no plans to do anything there other than develop Walnut Grove out, and they, they love the thought of us being there. Uh, if three years went by, market value of that land, and they would have to pay us market value of that land on an eminent uh, domain uh, proceeding, uh, that may actually work to our favor if that happened. I don't think the odds of that are more than 1%, if, if even 1%, but that's a good question.
1: And that was a question on eminent domain. Could we lose the property, something, if the government needs it for whatever? So yeah, I'm eminent sure.
0: domain just basically means the government can say, we need your property. It's for the public, uh, public good, so we're going to take your property. But they do have to pay you market value, um, which is debatable sometimes. Yeah. Yes, sir.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, and I mean, this is one of the things that factor into us that we could leave it in a bank and it's 0% interest and uh, leave it there and for the next several years and then take what we've got and do what we need to do with it. And this just, I think, puts us in a position where we virtually have little to no in, uh, you know, risk at all, yet it's in a place that if God so chooses to blow that up in the best sense of the word, he could do that and double or triple that money for us. And so... Um, yes, to your point, I mean, I think it, you know, when I think about the parable of the talents, I think there is something to that about where we are right now that, uh, that, you know, I think there is some obedience issue at stake here in just saying, man, we, we don't want to squander what God's given us. We'd really like to, if at all possible, take advantage of what he's given us right now in this season and be able to, to multiply that. So yes, great point, Steve. Any others? Yes, Lamar. Gotcha. Yeah. So are there any mineral rights, any potential upsides on that front? Dave, you want to go with that
0: one? I'm just starting to get answers on that today. Uh, Whatever the owners of the property owned, they conveyed, but that needs to go through a mineral search. I don't think we would get any mineral rights on the 13. The 10 is still up for uh, questions right now. Uh, As far as actually growing something on the property, probably not. But here is one good thing also that we think is a great advantage. That 13 acres is in agricultural uh, zoning right now. So that means we pay almost no taxes in a given year. I think it was $600 last year. So that's just a huge plus while we wait. We're paying no taxes on that. The 10 acres, we pay taxes on. But for that 13 where it sits, to be in ag is another huge plus for us.
1: Yep. Any others? A great time to try to get answers, concerns, just anything that you have when, you know, yes, ma'am. Yep. Yeah. Well, we've actually talked about that. I'm probably getting insurance just in case that would guarantee that. So, yep. Mm-hmm. So we have we have been there. We have had that conversation, and then we thought, do we just go assassinating if we do that? Right? I'm totally joking. I would probably get thrown in jail for that if that. Ever, yeah. <laughs> can, can, can we yeah, can we strike that from the record real quick? Okay. Good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Dave has definitely been at the tip of that spear in in doing the hard work on this. I I don't even know how many hours he's put into this over the last month. It's been ridiculous. And we've had a team of people, though, that have all done various projects and certain things along with it. Everyone on that that team of people. And so thanks to all that crew, they have spent a lot of time and energy and effort trying to think through this to, to get us to a point where we feel like it is a good decision or it isn't and so yeah okay any any other questions yes sir water gas you think
0: going through to yeah let me go over that we probably should have went over that earlier
1: so we're talking about easements you you mentioned yeah water gas all that
0: yeah We're in pretty good shape as far as any easements over the property. Water is at the location. We do have a problem right now with the sewer trying to bring that across the street. And uh, actually met with the Economic Development Board to see if we could get them to pay for that sewer. Uh, And they seem actually pretty positive about it. But that would be something that takes time to figure out. Um, When that sewer is across, that will immediately boost the value of that property. The other cost that we actually have in that property, uh, which is is the uh, median cut that I talked about earlier. And uh, I think we're more than willing to pay for that. That is a tremendous asset to have at that property because it allows that access from both sides of 287 then. So that will cost us. The sewer will cost us, uh, but we don't feel like either one of them is a particularly huge burden. Yep. Okay, any more?
1: Going once, yes. no there's not no yeah she asked is there any buildings or barns or houses on either of those two properties and there's not
0: okay any other final questions i would say just the last point too i would encourage everybody drive over there uh don't drive over the smartest grass but go a little bit north of that <laughs> and uh, just drive up onto that hill it is beautiful you'll sit up there you just you will see uh what an awesome spot that would be for a church
1: Okay, so I want to finish by saying a couple of things. I want you to really clue in here and and really give just your best attention for the last few minutes here. Um, I want to talk just a couple of things as we kind of look at moving forward and what the next couple of years hold for us and, and where we are. So one thing just on tonight, um, I, I, one of the things we wanted to try to convey tonight is that we really think this is a wise decision for us. And so we hope that's come across. If, I wanted to say again, we're available over the next couple of weeks for you to express concerns, thoughts, questions, whatever. So I hope we've done a good job of, of expressing why we think it is wise. But want to address just real quickly in light of that, um, our current giving and then what kind of the next couple of years hold for us. And the first two months of of 2013 have been probably the poorest two financial months that we've had. So I just want you all to be aware of that. You know, it's funny, especially young pastors, I think there's a tendency, if you can picture like the dad of a family, that the finances aren't good, and he's kind of got the approach of I'm going to keep everybody's head in the sand and pretend like it's something else, uh, I'm never going to be that. I'm just going to tell you that up front, that if if we're a church family, that we should be able to talk about finances and for that to be an open conversation. So I just want you to know that that that's where I am on that whole issue. And so just to give you a picture of current, just where we are, last year, our average month was about high 80s for a, a general month of giving. And for the first two months of this year, it's averaged in the high 40s. Now we're okay, and here's why we're just fine. Ultimately, we're fine because we've chosen to be very, very frugal in just the approach we've taken to how we're spending and how we're trying to save. But what's at stake there is us saving for the long haul. And so in in saying all that, I just want to encourage you towards consistent, sacrificial, cheerful giving that a church's needs are monthly. And so just for you to have that reminder tonight, of, you probably ought to go just look back over the first two months of the year and ask the question, is that consistent, sacrificial, cheerful giving? And if not, I just want to encourage you to make sure you get on that bandwagon and you take a look at the last two months and ask the question, well, what would it look like for me to have been sacrificial for the first quarter of this year? So I want to encourage you in that first. Um, but then I want to talk about the next couple of months as we broach into a season of generosity where we feel like in conjunction with uh, potentially purchasing this land, it's going to be a good opportunity for us to take three more months and to ask all of our people at our church to be very sacrificial, extraordinarily gener- you know, generous in the way that they're giving for a three-month period. That would be April, May, and June. And here's why I, I want to paint this picture for you so that you feel why this is important. That's not important because we have to have that to move forward on this piece of property. We're good either way on that. Again, I just hope we've, we've done a decent enough job showing the wisdom in that, that at the end of this year, we're gonna be in good shape, definitely in a year and a half to be able to pay for that. But here, I want you, okay, now everybody look at me and get this imagery. If this is like the four-year mark coming up for us when the conference center says bye-bye, we are approaching that cliff Like right now, we're taking like, this is, we've got four years left, so we're going to take step one in that this year, step two next year, step three, and then step four. And in four years is going to be by that fast, and we're going to be on the brink of that cliff. And if we want to be a church that makes that leap and doesn't like fall to our death, right, but like makes that leap in a no debt, low debt sort of a way, that it's going to mean that we've got to be very proactive now. I, if we're going to get to that cliff and actually be able to jump off and it go well for us, it's going to mean that everyone in our church for the next three or four years is going to have to be very generous. I mean, that's just the bottom line. We're not, that, that is not magically going to appear without widespread across our church being extraordinarily generous. And, and we're working on three different things that kind of would lead into that for the next three or four years. One is this piece of property we think could be one of God's means that when we get to the edge of that cliff— We can all take a nice sigh and say, thank you, God, right? So we think that might be one of the means to help us get there. Um, In about a year from now, we're going to start an extended season, probably a couple of year campaign that we're going to ask for generosity over a longer period of time from our people to help get us ready for that. And then you've got this as a third piece is the next three months, um, April, May, and June, going to ask for just great generosity over those three months. And this is what we're praying for over that three month span of somewhere in the neighborhood of $600,000 that God would give us over those three months. Now, if you were to say, do you think God can do that? Well, I'll just give you the history of where we've been with that. The first summer that we existed as a church, we were about nine months old. We had about 200 people. And we did three months that first summer of generosity. And we raised about $200,000 over those uh, three months. The second time we did it was this last summer. We were at about 500 people. And uh, we raised about $400,000 during that three-month period. This go around, we're at about 650 people and we're asking God for more at the end of the day, knowing that to get, when we get to that cliff, we're either going to fall and it go really bad or we're going to do a good job of prepping now for that. I mean, I hope y'all can feel some of the urgency that like four years is about a blink of an eye and we're there. And so, uh, so this three months we feel like is a really pivotal time for us to do that. And, and here's essentially what we're going to ask from everyone in our church family. This is me, this is you, this is all of us together. It's going to take all of us to get to that sort of a number. And so we're going to ask over these three months for this to require more faith from you in regards to giving than anything else in your life has required. For, for this three-month season to require more faith in regards to giving than at any other point in your life that money is cost. So, so that's what we're going to ask for this three months is for you to be on your face before God, asking God what sacrificial, cheerful giving would look like for that three month period. And, and I'm just going to say this again, unless everyone in our church family is there, we're not going to get there. It's not going to happen. So it's going to take us all as a church family to get there. In some of, for for a lot of us in the room, here's what it's going to require from us, from going from like a, a, uh, kind of a hireling with the vision and values of Stonegate to an owner of the vision and values of our church. Like for this just not to be kind of a peripheral thing that you come and kind of enjoy periodically, but for this to be something you own. Like if you want us to get there, no debt, low debt, I'm just going to say this. It's going to require you, me, all of us to give really generously for us to get there. Okay, now in light of that, uh, let me just say a couple things and then two things and then we're going to end um number one is why would i ask for that like the most um sacrificial as it relates to giving the most sacrificial moment of your life that the like form of giving that would require the most faith from you why are we asking that let me just give you two quick reasons why we're asking that here's the first one is we're not after big money around here we're after big faith okay now here's the truth for everyone in the room we love money much more than we think we love money And at the end of the day, and I've told you this repeatedly, I don't want things from you. I want things for you. At the end of the day, I want things for you, namely that you're free from the love of money and your heart is wide open toward God. That's what I want for you. Much more than anything else, that's the primary agenda. And the reason for the rest of our life as a church together, we're going to consistently be asking big things from you is not for the big thing's sake. It's for your faith's sake. It's because we want big faith grown around here. We want our church family to be people who exercise tremendous faith, not only in the way we give, but in the way we live, in our marriages, in every area of our life. So the reason we make big asks like that is because we really want God to to grow big faith. But here's the second reason. It's because giving generously, like big giving like that, equals a big eternity. Now just I want to ask you the question, do you believe it in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, where Jesus says, don't lay, you know, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Do you really believe that? See, I've got to ask myself that question as a pastor. Do I really believe that? And if I really believe that, do you know what this moment, how it changes for me? if I really believe that by you investing into the kingdom of God, that in some way it expands your eternity, that you can't keep any of these earthly things with you, but like according to Matthew 6, you can send them ahead where you can enjoy them forever later on. If I really do believe that, here's how it changes this moment. It it, it changes like from the posture of, man, I wonder how they're gonna take this or what they're gonna think about that. Or it changes from that, for me just to have a real calm confidence saying, this is for your good. It's not just a church thing. It's not just a church planting in the future thing. This is for your good. If you really believe, I can, you're going to have to ask yourself the question, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that making the next purchase for your temporal comfort is going to be more eternally joyful for you than investing that in the kingdom? Like that's going to be a question we're all going to have to answer. Like, where do we want to store it up? And so I'm just saying this, that the reason I want to always ask big things from you and from me is because I really believe it has an eternal impact for all of us, right? Okay, so I want big faith and I want a big eternity for everyone in the room. And lastly, I want to just be able to affirm this. If you were to ask the question, Rodney, are you in on this? Like, are you in? I just want you to know, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I am personally not willing to be at the tip of the spear from. So when, I, when we're talking sacrifice, I, I'll just make this promise to you. There is no one at our church that's going to fill that cut deeper than I will. There's no one going to fill it deeper than I will. I, I'll make that promise to you that I will be at the tip of the spear when it comes to sacrifice. Now I just want you to picture what's at stake here for just a second. If you can imagine 10, 15, 20 years down the road... And you can imagine us planting 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 churches because we have a no debt, low debt facility where rather than paying, and you could just go pick churches around, rather than paying 30 grand a month, 40 grand a month, 50 grand a month, 60 grand a month, 70 grand a month in a mortgage, we're getting to to allow all that money to flow out of our place into church planting. And here's the only reason that will happen. Is for this season of our church's life, next four years, for this season, our church to have been extraordinarily generous. Like, Here's what I'm saying. If our church doesn't do it right now in this four years of of this season, then it's going to impact the rest of that for us. So I just want you to feel what's at stake there. If you can see down the road, not just Stonegate, but multiple Stonegates around our area and country that have planted multiple stone gates, that have planted multiple stone gates, that's what's at stake right now for us. And so in light of that, I want to invite you in on that, to be a part of that, for you to, to think about big things, giving generously, about eternity, about all of those things. Amen? Okay, let's pray together and then we will let you go. God, we are so grateful for how you have from day one of Stonegate's life been so active and so present and poured out so much grace on us. I mean, it is astounding for me just to think about that. So humbling for me to think about that. From being in a living room with 20 people with just a dream and a prayer to to where we are now and knowing that the equivalent is what you have in front of us that there's going to be a day, four, five, 10, 20 years in the future, that we're going to look back at a moment like this, at a family meeting like this, and think we only had a dream and a prayer, and look at what you've done with that. And so God, I pray just across our church family that you would insert into us huge, breathtaking faith. And especially over the next three months, as we all get before you and ask hard questions about what sacrificial and cheerful giving would look like, God, that you would really help clarify that for each family. And God, we want to pray that you would give us everything we need to do everything that you have asked and called us to do. And God, we pray that as we look 10, 20, 30, 40, by your grace, 50 years down the road, that we would see ripples of this moment and this season of our church's life ripples through all of those years, through churches planted, through men and women saved, through through disciples made and matured. God, we pray for that. And it's in your gracious name we ask it. Amen. So let me remind you of where we are. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be wide open to you. Um, You can find any of those guys on that that team that's been involved in this on the city. Shoot them an email, a message if you want to get with them. They would love to have any conversation you want. I would, Dave would, Mike, Steve, Sean, whoever. Just let us know. We'd love to get with you. Other than that, we want to invite you in to pray for us and to pray with us. And over the next 10 days, if you'll get a day where your family sets aside a day to fast, to pray over this with us, we would love that. Okay? Have a great night, and we will see you on Sunday. Thank you for
0: listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas. For service times, additional audio and study resources, as well as information about our church, please visit us at stonegate-church.com.